That's what he wants in Laodicea. In this last age of Laodicea, that's what he wants. Somebody open the door. If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Amen. I think that's a wonderful opportunity today that we can open the door. We can let him speak to us, reveal himself to us. May he do it for you today. This past week, um, Brother Bob King is right at 95 years old. He's been a minister of the gospel a long time, and he crossed over and went on the other side. We want to thank the Lord for his long life and his um, testimony and serving the Lord. Mama King passed on a few um, years ago. And uh, they were wonderful people. We loved them, great friends, great uh, co-worker in the gospel. And we want to say we're, we're glad that he made his entrance, sure, and that he was ready to go. And God knows today what your need is in your life, and I pray that he'll meet your need in a special way today. So let's go to prayer today as we ask the Lord's grace upon our lives. And that he'd just minister to our hearts. Father, as we just take a moment to thank you for your blessings, you have been so good to us. We could just never express, Lord, really what you mean to us as our Father. Today is a day that we as earthly men set aside to remember our own earthly fathers. But we want to remember you, Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for the, for the blessing you have been to us, that you gave your life for us, that you provided redemption for us, that you as our God became our Savior. Lord, we want to thank you, O oh God, for fellow soldiers of the cross like our brother Bob King. As we just give a tribute to him for a moment in the life that was lived among us, we want to thank you. Lord, for his life, his testimony, his ministry, and what he meant to us, the friendship we had. Lord, you've given us many wonderful friends along life's journey, and we want to thank you for it, that we're not alone. Not only do you give us the comforter of your Holy Spirit, but Lord, you comfort us by sending wonderful friends along the journey. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless now his family and his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and all of the extended relatives, Lord, that you'll bless them in a mighty way. Ever need supply among your children today as you bring healing and deliverance to your children. May today we open the door. May today this will be a day of renewing of the Holy Ghost. Lord, another drink from, from the Almighty God, from El Shaddai. The breasted one who gives us life given milk from both the Old and the New Testament. I pray, Lord, that you'll reveal yourself to us through the Word and make it real to us. Bring healing and deliverance for your children everywhere, we pray. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the testimony of, of the healing of Brother Tim, Lord, and touching his, his knee. May it be, be complete and total. Father, that it will not hinder him anymore in his work and his activities. But Lord, every need supply of your children, we pray, is 
we give this service to you. Ask your blessings upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Give me a little more sound up here, if you will. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today, and we appreciate the Lord and his goodness to us. Nice to see you, Brother Gary, Sister Barbara, amen, being in the service with us today. And happy Father's Day to all you fathers. And, and uh, it's just uh, great to see that there's many wonderful men of God. We have wonderful daughters of God too, but it's great to see men of God who take their responsibility seriously and, and uh, raise their children in the admonition of the Lord. I have a a little brochure I just wanted to show you, and we'll put them out on the um, uh, the table out front. But this is from Cloverdale Bible Way. Actually, it's the Bible Way Academy online, and some of you fathers will be un- in- interested be interested in this because uh, you're still educating your children, and and uh, so there is um, a need for that. And some of you may be interested in being an online student there, I think it's something we could heartily recommend. There are godly people and believers of the message there that are teaching our young people. And, and uh, you know, we, we have, a, Paul said, we have a thousand instructors, instructors, but not many fathers. So we thank God for real fathers and real men of God that stand in this evil day. I, I, while you're standing here, I would like just to um, read a scripture in Genesis 17, and we'll read from verse 7, if you will, and he says, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and I seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Now, this is, this is El Shaddai, the almighty God speaking to Abraham. And he said, I will give unto thee and thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house, or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed, He that is born in in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So here's the covenant. For the seed of Abraham, every person was required to be circumcised. But God knew the external sign of circumcision would never produce a lasting covenant because of man. Man would break it. And he knew that there would have to be a work that would be done on the inside of the heart. 
And the real problem with man is that man's heart needs to be fixed. We were all born wrong, so we have to be born again. To be birthed into this life, of course, is a great thing. Without it, we will never have eternal life. But, to, but without, that, without that new birth, you'll never be born again or have that eternal life. And so this is why Ezekiel tells of a new covenant and would be prophesied down to the ages um, through the many various prophets, as well as Ezekiel, uh, speaking of this new covenant, in which there would be an inward work of the heart that would have to be done by God. So he would speak of a new heart and a new spirit. And then he would do something that the law of ordinances couldn't do. He would put his spirit within man. Because it is impossible for man to keep the word of God without the spirit of God within him. So Isaiah would also prophesy of this condition. Jesus would repeat it and speak speak of it of his generation. But it really speaks of every generation. In Matthew 15, 8, he says, This people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So Jesus knew that there were men that were doing a lot of external religion. And circumcision in this account was, of course, again, an external act where that man was putting a sign within the flesh that they were in covenant with God. But then keeping that covenant was another thing because man's heart was far from God. And this was a problem with the law. It made religious people with forms of godliness and rules and rituals and regulation, but these were never from the heart and never change the heart. So every person must be circumcised to be in the covenant, and that is true today. There has to be a circumcision, but that circumcision is of the heart. And, and so in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 5, I would like you to see with me that as God looked at the situation, he realized and, and made the people to know that there needed to be done something within the heart. Deuteronomy 30 and 5, And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above their fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. So eternal life does this in a person. It makes you to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of thy might. So as you see it there, but it would require something to happen on the inside, and that would be a circumcision of the heart. Not just a circumcision of the flesh. Religion has a lot to do with forms and rituals and uh, ways of changing and reforming. But that's not what God wants. God wanted not laws and rules and regulation. God wanted somebody to love him with all of their heart and with all their soul. But to do that, he would have to circumcise the heart that is to get rid of sin nature within the person so the heart must be circumcised in order for man to love the lord god with all of thine heart and all thy soul 
So if you think of it, he gives them a law and he tells them, thou shalt not and thou shalt and thou shalt not and thou shalt. And knowing that man was not going to be able to keep all these rules and regulations, they had asked, how can we please you? What can we do? And you know, what, what can we do? What self-effort can we do? And God knew all of our self-efforts would never do it. Amen. No one can live the Christian life but Jesus Christ. And only you can live him when he comes in your heart. That's the only way you'll ever live the Christian life. But in order to do this, God would have to circumcise the heart. That's why we're speaking today upon the circumcision without hands. I'd like to show you Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. And because it will be from here that we will draw our thought today. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So all that God was, he pours into Christ. Here God, in his, the one who created heavens and the earth, has now created himself a body. And he steps in that body. And he comes and dwells among men to pay the price of redemption. And so in him, in Jesus Christ, would, would dwell the fullness of, of the Godhead bodily. All of God would be in him, and he would fulfill the law. He would fulfill the prophets. He would fulfill all the types of the Bible would all be manifested in Jesus Christ. But it goes on to say, but you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. And put in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. I'd like to use another translation here. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature. With the circumcision performed by Christ and not with human hands. So he says in this covenant, I'm going to require a circumcision too. In order for you to be in covenant with me, you're going to have to have a circumcision like Abraham had. Except it won't be the outside, it'll be the inside. And in the heart, I'm going to cut off sin desire and sin nature. And I'm going to make a new creation out of you. Notice he says, buried with him in baptism, wherein you are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together. That means made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. So if you go back to verse 11, I'm going to again use another translation, and, and, and it's just an English, more of a modern English version of this, but it says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision 
made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you're also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands this he set aside nailing it to his cross and he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to an open shame by triumphing over them think about this you who have been circumcised by this circumcision without hand a circumcision of the heart he hath for you disarmed the rulers Amen. He's done away with the ordinances that were against you. The record of death. The sin of your past. Amen. That stood against you with its legal demands. And the legal demands demanded that you go to hell. Demanded that you be lost. Amen. Separated from God. But I want you to know he took that and nailed it to his cross. So that you, as the uncircumcised ones, that now has become circumcised by without hands, can now enter into covenant with him. Thanks be to God. Now you see, what is that circumcision? That circumcision is the Holy Ghost. And that Holy Ghost changes the soul. And it is the, the nature. And then that is the sign the token that the heart has truly been circumcised and you went into in the covenant with God. Without the Holy Spirit of God, you're not in covenant. And everybody without it will be cut off. So you see how important the Holy Spirit is. You see how important it is that you are baptized and filled and sealed and that mark of God is in your life and you have that token of the spirit of God by the world has been cut off and sin has been cut off and you are separated unto God as a chosen people unto him. So the Holy Ghost changes the soul. It cuts out sin nature. It is a seal of the covenant and everyone without it is cut off. But I want to just say to you, you are a three-part being. You have a body, you have a spirit, and you have a soul. A body, spirit, and soul. And it's not enough just to get your flesh baptized and touched by the spirit. And you jump and you shout. Or your spirit realm, the mind, which is a realm of memory, imaginations, and conscience, and affection, and reasoning, dipped into the Holy Spirit. But it must be the soul, which is the nature of the spirit, must be changed. Changing your desire and, and your nature, putting the law of God in the inward parts. Because God knew just by giving us an external law was not going to fix things. David would have this external law and he says, you know, I, I've written upon the doorpost and I have them there before me and I read them all the time and I meditate them. But he knew when, you know, when, when uh, he turned that day
away and looked toward Bathsheba. He knew, he knew there was nothing in there that, of that law now that would keep him. Because why? It did not deal with the sin in the heart. It didn't deal with sin nature. It only was external. You know, while people was watching, well, I'm going to try to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to be good and I'll be true to my, my wife or true to my husband, whatever the case might be. And, and here in this, there, there was a law, but it was external. And God knew I'm going to have to bring this internally because you see, the real problem with man is the heart. Now, this is why he doesn't love my word above everything. This is why he's not keeping my commandments. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But the problem with loving God is a heart problem. And God would say this, I've given you a law. I've given you do's and don'ts. But I really don't want all of that. What I want is you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's what I want. I want a people to love me. I want a people that to give the word of God preeminence. If the Bible says it, we do it. We don't make excuses. We don't go around it. We don't try to do shortcuts. So you see... You must receive the person of the Holy Ghost, not just an anointing upon your spirit. A spirit baptism that touches the body or, or the spirit realm of memory, imaginations, conscience, affection, and reasoning, but has never touched the soul. And this is the problem with us. We come down and sometimes we will get so close to really being changed. We'll let, it, we'll, let, we'll let the anointing come upon our flesh. We'll get the anointing come upon our, our minds, upon our spirit realm, the human spirit. But it doesn't ever touch the soul. And that's what the deal must be. The soul must be changed. I don't mean that you get a new soul. I'm talking about the sin nature in there taken out and therefore being renewed by the, the nature of the Holy Spirit being put in. You see, this brings us now to the most deceiving age that there's ever been, where there will rise false Christ with great signs and wonders. If you look with me to Matthew 24, 24, and there shall arise false Christ. Now, it didn't say false Jesuses. It says false Christ. And these Christ are anointed ones. Now get it. Anointed ones. False anointed ones. There shall arise false anointed ones. In other words, false ones that are anointed. Now, there are really a lot of examples down the scripture. With Balaam, for example, would prophesy by the Spirit. He was anointed by the true spirit, and what would happen? He, his prophecy would even come to pass. But what, what was the result of it? He was false seed, anointed false one. 
You come to Caiaphas, who would right there at the crucifixion of Christ, while he, they have got him on the cross, and here the, the, the leader of the Sanhedrin there, who has condemned Jesus Christ, prophesies. The Bible says he did, New Testament. He prophesies by the Spirit, being the high priest. And he gets under the anointing and gives a true prophecy, but yet he is false. Now hold that thought in line, because they shall arise anointed false ones and false prophets and shall show, look at their ability now, they will show great signs and wonders. Now, listen, the devil, the devil can really, he cannot heal. Are you with me? The devil cannot heal. Jesus said so. If Satan casts out Satan, his kingdom is divided. So Jesus made it clear the devil cannot heal. All healing from, comes from God. But I want you to notice they were doing great signs and wonders, and they would do it in so much that if it were possible, they would cause a great deception in the last days. They would deceive even the very elect if it were possible. But thank God you can't deceive the elect. God has elected you and predestinated you to life. Are you with me? So therefore he will expose the workings of the Antichrist. But look what he does. He does it with great signs and wonders. Now the signs and wonders are not wrong. The healings are not of the devil. The miracles are of God, and it's God's anointed on false ones. Well, how in the world that can be? Because he puts his reign on the just and the unjust. Notice, I want to just make it clear, the anointing is not false. It is a true, genuine anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God actually anointing. The signs and wonders are not false. They can be bona fide miracles. And remember, you can even speak in genuine Holy Ghost tongues and still not have the Holy Ghost. The Bible said so. He said, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and, and have not charity, Charity is love. Love is God's basic nature. God is love. Is that right? So there, therefore you can have what? You can have the very basic nature. Uh, or Love being the basic nature of God. You can have tongues. Genuine Holy Ghost tongues. Tongues of men and angels. And like God. Now, I know people are looking for them for signs of the Holy Ghost, that that's the initial evidence if we speak in other tongues, but that is not true. That's no Bible for that. There is speaking in tongues in the Bible, and believers do speak with tongues. Amen. Mark 16 says, in my name, they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. That is among believers. But again, again, that is not, that, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. And, but it is the Holy Spirit that can cause a person to speak with tongues. And he said, though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not even the basic nature of God. 
the fundamental basic element of God, which is divine love, I have become as just noise. Sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. So gifts without God is just noise. Now, again, Matthew 7, 22, let's look at the, the Bible for this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Now notice the profession. Lord, Lord. They're calling him Lord. They're on him as Lord. They are actually saying, we, have, we, we recognize you as Lord and Savior. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. And have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name did mighty wonderful works? Now Jesus never said, no, 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 no. You didn't do works. You didn't do miracles. You didn't cast these devils out. No. In fact, the matter is, he said, I will profess to them, I never knew you. You have never been known of me. I am not your father. Amen. You, you, I have no claim on you. You have no claim on me. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So if you see, they will prophesy in his name and they will, they will cast out devils. Now, casting out devils is healing the sick. That's what we do. Actually, getting people to Christ to save them at an altar, and, and they come is casting out devils. It's causing sin nature to leave, which is the root of sin. Amen. And it is having the Holy Spirit come in. In fact, the matter is, what you're doing is when you get saved, you're getting a new king on your heart. Because you was born with Satan as your king, born in sin, shaping iniquity, came here speaking lies. You wasn't ever right. You've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You need a new king. That's the problem. You yielded your members to him to smoke, to drink, to lie, to cuss. You gave your body over to him because he was the king. But when you get the new birth, you get a new king. And that new king is Jesus Christ. And then he has control of your body. Amen. And the things that you once did, you do no more. Because sin desire is taken out of your life, not because of rituals of a church and they won't let me do it if I'm a member here, but because there has been a change in me. Because sin nature has been dealt with. And that's what real salvation is about, is destroying sin nature. That old serpent that you were born with in the soul and getting a new king in your heart and then he rules over your thoughts. He rules over your being. He rules over your body. Amen. He brings everything subjected to him. So he said, many will come making a profession of faith. Lord, Lord. Well, I, I confess Jesus is Lord. Well, the devil does too. Have we not prophesied in thy name? Notice what name they're doing in it. The name of Jesus Christ, not a false name. In thy name we have cast out devils. We have used the name of Jesus and God honored that name. We've done in thy name 
And God honored us doing mighty, wonderful works. But I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You see, prophesying in his name is not wrong. Casting out devils in his name was not wrong. You see, the mighty, wonderful works is what God wants done. God wants that done. He wants the church to cast out devils. One of the primary purposes of a real church is to cast Satan out. As I said, that's what the new birth is, is casting the devil out. That's what it is with healing. Jesus never said, you epilepsy or you uh, um, uh, affliction or, or you, you blood issue. He said, thou devil. Because he went to the root of what it was. And he cast out the devil and the body automatically responded to it. Now, so again, but doing all these works does not prove salvation. Because he says, depart from me, you, while working the works of God, are still living in sin. Now, that makes it a very deceiving age that we're in. Because there are many that works miracles in his name while still denying parts of the word of God. And he cannot deny himself. This is what we want to look at in this because when sin nature has been dealt with and you receive the personal life of Christ where all the elements of his body because from him there at Calvary there came water, blood, and spirit. And so the same thing must happen in your birth. He did this just as he did back in the days of Adam when he put Adam to sleep and he took out of Adam a, a, a part to make a body with. Is that right? To make a wife for. He took a rib from him. Now, God did the same thing at Calvary with the second Adam. He put him there. He went to sleep on the cross, died, and in his death came water, blood, and then into thy hands I commend my spirit. So the three elements of the, of the new birth is that water, blood, and spirit. Justification, forgiveness of sins, repentance, turning around, sanctification, cleanse from sin, cleanse from old dirty habits. And then he said, my spirit. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to put his spirit in you. But he cannot live in your life with sin nature still inside. And that's the problem. People won't deal with sin nature. They won't repent. They won't yield it. They won't surrender. Now, let me give you an illustration. When we baptize someone with water... No water goes in the body, no water goes in the spirit, no water goes in the soul, right? And so a person can get their spirit baptized by the Holy Ghost, and yet their soul still be lost. Just as the water in the pool did not penetrate the inside, 
People in their spirit can shout and dance, perform miracles, do signs and wonders by the anointing of the Spirit of God and still be lost. You never judge yourself on how much you shout, jump, dance, have gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit is not the Spirit. It's a gift from the Spirit. But it is something the Spirit does. But it's not the Spirit. And you can do that without having the indwelling person that really changes the life. And this becomes the mockery of Christianity today. Now, I just share this with you, and this is from a, a sermon of trying to do God a service without his will. The outside spirit can be anointed with the Holy Ghost and the soul darkest pitch. The cocklebur grows on the same water that builds, puts life into the wheat, puts life into the cocklebur. But at the bottom of the cocklebur, it's a cocklebur life. It's rejoicing and blooming and got life and it does everything that the wheat does, but the soul of it is a cocklebur. False teachers can rise, teaching all kinds of Trinitarianism and everything else and be anointed with the Holy Ghost and perform just as many miracles as the true gospel can. But by the word here, that's what does it. So you want to judge yourself by the word. Is your life matching up to the word of God? You see, the real gift in you is not the baptism of the spirit. The real gift that you got from God was by predestination making you that elected we were talking about. So you see, the, the, real, the, real, the real gift is your soul down here that was born of God, that controls the whole thing and brings you subject to the word of God and to the will of God. So, so again, you say, well, I've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That could be just a temporal gift. As I said, you know, you know the Holy Ghost can only be temporal, like in the Old Testament. Some can have a baptism of the Spirit and it goes and it comes. Do you know they had the spirit in the Old Testament. The Holy Ghost would touch the lives of men. But it couldn't change the nature. This is why David after his sin would say, create in me a clean heart. You see, he was a seed of God, but there was no, there was no way that the Holy Spirit could come and abide in him. Because why? Calvary had to come and the sin debt paid first. Jesus said, if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. He spoke about how the Holy Ghost would come as a rivers of living water. But he says, you know, he was saying, this is, he was speaking of the spirit that would come upon them. And on the day of Pentecost, after Calvary was the first time ever, other than in Jesus Christ, that the spirit of God ever came to dwell in man, other before it anointed man. You see, it would anoint Moses and he'd do many mighty works and miracles and hold his rod and open up red seed and hit the ground and, and there dust would turn to flies and he would do miraculous things, great powerful things. 
and then turn around and disobey God and not go in the promised land. You know what? The Spirit would come upon him and he would do miracles. And then he would move over into something that would keep him out of the promised land. Because why? The Holy Ghost was not able to possess the human soul. Because why? God will not live. God will not live in an animal. He will not live in an unconverted human. There has to be a conversion, and conversion couldn't take place till Jesus shed the blood because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. So it can never deal with sin nature. And this is what God wants to do with you more than anything. Deal with your sin nature. More than you keeping certain regulations in the Bible. Well, I read in the Bible women should have long hair or men should cut their hair. I read in the Bible, uh, you know, these different things. and I I read in the Bible uh, about works of baptism and so on. What God wants, he wants to change your heart. Not just have all the external religion. Once you get him inside, he'll cause you to obey his word. Put up with for me right quick, uh, Ezekiel 36, 26, please. And let's just look at Ezekiel prophesying of the Holy Ghost coming. And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Well, you got a new heart, you got a new spirit. You got a desire, I want to do right. Amen, God's preparing something, he's changing your attitude, your outlook. And I want to put a new spirit, a desire to do what's right. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Look what he's going to do. I'm going to do a work in the heart. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll give you something there that is made new where I can work with it. Watch what he wants to do next. And I will put my spirit. My spirit within you and calls you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. (laughs) Notice, now it is being lived from the inside out instead of the outside in. People do things outwardly trying to change the inside. Get the inside fixed and it will control the outside. Now, Again, you see, it can be only a temporal gift. It can come and go. But when it come upon Jesus, it abode on him. It never left him. When the Holy Ghost comes down in the soul, it seals you to the day of redemption. It never leaves. You're sealed to the day of redemption. Notice, as we think of this, because... In this, you got to realize our names was not written in heaven at the altar. Sing a song sometimes, a new name's written in glory, and it's mine, it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. No, the name wasn't just wrote there. The Bible tells you in Revelation 13 and 8 and 17 and 8, it tells you that that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world and your names were written in the lamb's book of life before the world began. You are not an accident. 
Amen. This father doesn't give birth to accidents. You were preplanned. Your time on earth was preplanned. God knew you were coming. And he provided the way of salvation to change your life, knowing you would be born in this corruption of sin. But he provided a way to make you a son or daughter of God. But your name was in his book before the world began. You are not a temporal being. You are an eternal being. You say, what happened down in the altar, Brother Tim? You recognize who you really were. Before that, your name might have been thief, liar, corrupter, adulterer, fornicator, all kinds of names that are attached to your natural birth. But when you're born again, none of them names are there. Amen. But what in that new birth, what happened? It makes you say, Father, Father. It makes you recognize I came from God. He is my source. I came from him and I'm going back to him. Now, so you see, we did not become seed of God by the rebirth. We were seed and therefore we were reborn. Because only the elect can be reborn. Because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened or made alive. In non-seed, there's nothing to quicken. So when the Holy Ghost settles down within the soul and it quickens the seed gene of God on the inside, then the way you know it is within your soul is that your nature changes and the word then becomes your ultimate. It becomes your absolute. The world is cut off and you are circumcised with a circumcision without hand, but a circumcision of the Holy Ghost and the seed of God is quickened within you and brought to life. Now, you see, people can live in the spirit, I'm talking about the human spirit. And they can dance in the human spirit, shout in the human spirit, being anointed by the Holy Ghost. They can go to church in the spirit. They can absolutely have the real Holy Spirit of God anointed on that spirit and still be lost and just as devil-possessed as they can be even though the Spirit of God anointed them. This is a great deception in the last day. And some will think, well, praise God, if I'm a predestinated, that's all I need to be. If I've if I got a seed, a gene of God within me, I don't even need the Holy Ghost. After all, my real gift is my soul. But without the Holy Ghost, your seed gene can never be quickened or made alive. Without that baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, well, brother, but Brother Tim, it's over here making even people who are not living right jump and shout and dance and speak in tongues and have gifts and manifestation. Yeah, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The rain represents the Spirit, and the Spirit doesn't make a seed a seed. It quickens what is in them. You see, you see, uh, again, we, 
That's the reason why we don't have a bride for Christ today in so many instances because we sow denominational seed instead of the word. So what do we get? We get denominational children. Baptists bring forth more Baptists, Presbyterian, more Presbyterian, Catholic, more Catholic. But God ain't wanting Presbyterians and Catholics and Baptists. God is not wanting one of them. He's wanting children. And he has no grandchildren. Bear it in mind, he has no grandchildren just because he was raised up in the church. Don't make you saved. You too have got to be born again. You are born lost. You got to be born twice. To being born first time is not enough. You must be born again. If your right if your first birth was the right birth, then you wouldn't need a new birth. But you were born wrong. You were born because you, and in that birth you you received sin nature. But now I want you to think. You see, but the same spirit that makes the real, true, genuine believer speak with tongues, the real spirit that give, makes a genuine believer a Christian, see, is the same spirit that's fallen out here upon the terrors, and it's just irrigating the seed. It's making come to life whatever is in there. You say, Brother Tim, you're talking about predestination. How do I know I'm predestination? I'll tell you, it's your response to the word is what proves your predestination. You can claim I'm elected, I'm predestinated all you want to, but until you are born again and quickened by the Holy Ghost, nothing else but that will prove your predestination. But it irrigates the seed. That's what the Spirit does. And it can make the hybrid just as happy and the tear just as happy and shout just like the wheat and feel as joyful as anybody else. But the seed is wrong. So all your fleshly demonstrations don't mean anything. We put a lot on that today. You know, if you, if I, you know the Methodist said, if I just shout, I got it. The Lutheran said, if we just believe on the Lord, I've got it. I've got the Holy Ghost. Just believe on him. Well, what about receiving the Holy Ghost since you have believed? After you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It is a work that comes after you believe. You have faith in God. God then gives you a sign of circumcision, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It comes after you believe. Amen. Then, then you come along, so you got, you, you know, one would shout. We got it when we shouted. The Nazarene, we, we, we got it when we live holy now. But you see, again, it's not the rain that makes it a seed. It's not the spirit that makes it a seed. It only quickens what is there. Now, you see, Again, it's sent on the earth, the rain is sent on earth to manifest the seed. Now, can you imagine now, let's reverse this for a moment. Can you imagine the wheat seed looking at the tear and, uh, and you know, it's been a drought and they're all crying for water. And they all, they're all crying, praying and everything else. Send the Holy Ghost, Lord, send the Holy Ghost, Lord, send the Spirit, God, we need a revival. 
and the Holy Spirit gets poured out. Can you imagine there looking at the terror who has his hands raised and he's shouting and speaking in tongues and dancing the Spirit and you as a wheat say, well, I don't want to act like that because that's the way the terrors do. No, the wheat loves and craves for the rain and the rain causes the refreshing, the growth and the vitality of the wheat. So you see, this is why Jesus was raised up the Son of God on Easter morning and he sent his Holy Spirit to make alive or to quicken that seed of eternal life that he foreknew before the foundation of the world. Now, again, there's only one thing that will quicken the seed or the word that is in you and that is the Holy Spirit because he's the life giver to the word. And once the seed gene of you is in you then it, and is quickened, then your ultimate, your absolute is the word. What is the ultimate? It's the last word. It's the final say. It is the amen. It is the end of strife. You look and see what the Bible said, strife is over. Whatever he said do, that's what we're going to do. Why? Because my nature has been changed to believe all the word of God. Is that right? So it is the end of strife. That is the typos of the soul. When your soul has been quickened, made alive by the Holy Ghost, then that gives you a typos to the soul that no matter what anybody else thinks, You know, today in Christianity, worldly opinions sway opinions of believers, Christian believers. Worldly opinions, politics, ideas of man, modern times. And then church, my denomination says, well, if that's your absolute, that's what you're tied to. If that's your ultimate, It is because you're a denominational child. You do whatever your parents says. But if your parents is of God, you believe every word of God. If forget about what the church says, what the what the organization said, the denomination said, what the world around me says, what the popular opinion says, I'm gonna do what the word said. Now So what is the strength of evangelicals today? What is their strength of their assurance that they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior? They confess, Lord, Lord, have we not done? The devil knows he's Lord. The devil knows he's God and he trembles. Amen. Today we've taken a little, a little carnal approach where our just our minds just become changed and oh I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and He died on the cross two thousand years ago and we, we repeat this little form and we're saved and that's the ultimate. What is the strength of the of the of the Azusa Pentecostals? Their assurance is that they have the Holy Spirit of God. 
I spoke in other tongues. And it doesn't matter whether that tongue came by somebody beating them on the back and saying, say it, say it, say it, and repeating a word over and over until they got a confusion of language, but that's their ultimate. You see, what's the strength of the bride's assurance? Our assurance is we are tied to the word. The Bible, the word of God has its final say. So you may think this, politics may think that, somebody else thinks that, this church thinks that, this other people thinks that, but what the word of God say? And for someone filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible becomes their ultimate, the final say, there's no more question, it's the end of strife, the end of argument. Now, that inside must punctuate the word of God with an amen. That you hang to the word of God regardless of your feelings, the troubles around you, whatever. You just can't help it. Your absolute's the word. Your tie post in the soul is the word of God. It's not a feeling. You know why? Because you can get a feeling in church and walk out of the church and not have the feeling. So it isn't tied to a feeling. What did the word say about him? Amen. He said, if I repent and I would be baptized, taken on the name of Jesus Christ, I shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right? So that's the ultimate. That's what God said. That's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have everything he said. Is that right? You can't help it. Yeah, and then the hardest trials of life, in your most difficult moment, that tie post is there. It will save you when you're dying. Amen. It'll keep you in high school or in middle school or kindergarten or wherever it is. If you've received it, it'll keep you. It'll keep you on your job. When you're outside of church, it does, your life doesn't change. You're still the Holy Ghost-filled person. You're not out here doing shady deals and lying and conniving and stealing and doing things and mistreating people. Why? Because, you see, it'll hold you in your hardest trials, in your greatest temptations. Brother Branham spoke of this himself. He was just a young preacher boy, about 25 years old. And he had his hardest trial of his life. His little baby girl, Sharon, was dying in the hospital. His wife was embalmed, laying in the morgue. That's pretty hard. His young son, two and a half years old, Billy Paul, was at the point of death. We go through some awful times. And I just want to say to you that we're not spared trouble. Christian life is not a flowery bed of ease. In fact, he said, don't even think it's strange when these fiery trials comes to try you. They're part of the journey. You're going to have difficulties and heartaches and problems even as a Christian. Well, the devil's really after me. I got a flat tire on the way to church. Well, so did the drunk going to beer joint. 
I must be a child of God, not because your tire went flat, because you're human. So in his hardest time, when his child was dying and the other at the point of death and his wife in the morgue, she had tubercular pneumonia and died. And, and then the baby there, the baby girl Sharon was dying with spinal meningitis and, and, uh, and, and a tubercular meningitis uh, that, that she had. And, and his, his little boy was at the point of death, so sick himself. And the doctor came and said to him, said, Bill, we're not going to be able to save Billy. And he said, he's so bad. He said, I feel sorry for you. We're not going to be able, I don't think we'll be able to save Billy. He's so bad. And, and Sharon, she's dying. He said, Doc, I ain't got any more strength. And a little bit later, they called him and said, your baby Sharon is, is dying. She was like eight months old. And he said, I run to see her. And they put a needle in the spine and brought the sign out that was tubercular meningitis. He left there going to the hospital, tried to get in to see his baby. He's like, I can remember his wife's in the morgue. Now his baby's dying. And he gets the news and says, the doctor says, come on, Bill. said, uh, you can't see her, though. You, she's dying. And if you, if you see her, you'll, you'll take something to your son, Billy Paul, and, and it'll be worse for him. And, and don't even ask for her. Don't even ask for her because if she'd ever lived, she'd be afflicted. She'd always be drawn up and, and afflicted all her life. And if you go around her, it'll, you'll, you'll get it and take it to Billy Paul. He said, well, Sam, I, I, I got to see her. He said, you can't. I forbid you to do it. And he says, uh, you know how much I think of you, how much I believe in you, but don't you go to that, that, to that baby. Meningitis is on her. And she'll just be gone in a few minutes and you can bury her. I just feel so sorry for you, Bill. They were friends, him and the doctor. And he said he called a, a nurse and said, give him a medication there to calm him down. I don't even know how the man's standing up. He took the medication and said, just set it down for a moment. The nurse brought it and set it down, said, drink this. and said, uh, just set it down for a moment while I kind of catch my breath. And he, when she walked out, he poured it down the spittoon and set the glass back down. And as he sat there, he began to think, oh, God, what have I done? You're a good God. Why did you let her die the other day? Me holding my wife's two arms, little arms are begging for her. Why did you let her go? There's Billy laying there dying, and here she is. Now the baby's dying. What have I done? I might as well die with him. And I opened the door, and there was no nurse there, he said, and I slipped down to the basement. And there was no screens. On the windows, this is all the way back in the 30s, flies was over little eyes, and, and there she had a mosquito bar. We call it a netting over her face, and I shoot the flies away, and her little eyes were, she suffered so bad, her little eyes began to cross so hard, and, they, and she was laying there dying. And he's looking there, and, and Satan, he said, moved up to me. Remember? It's when you go through these hard trials 
That's when the devil comes and talks. He knows how to catch you at your weakest moment. And Satan moved up to him and said, did you say he was a good God? He said, yeah, I said that. Did you say he was a healer? Well, then why did your father die in your arms over there and you calling for his life and him a sinner and you're begging for him to live? Why did your brother recently die in the other brother's arms and you're standing in the pulpit preaching and while you're preaching, your brother's dying? Why didn't he answer you? You prayed for them both, and why didn't he answer? You said he loved you and saved you. Well, then why don't he care about you? You ever be on that point? Sometimes that you wonder why God doesn't care. Why didn't he move? You see, he couldn't tell him there was no God because he'd already seen him. But he was telling him he didn't care for me. And that's the way the devil does. He didn't come around and say he didn't heal a land of cancer. No, no, no. He can't lie like that. We know what happened. Amen. He didn't make baby Drew walk. Oh, no. He didn't do that. That, 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 that was just made up. No, no. He can't do that. We know. We saw him walk. We, we, we know his power. We know he heals. We know he delivers. But in your moment of trial, he'll tell you it's not for you. You see, he cares, and he cared about them, but he don't care for you. There will age your wife in the morgue. Your babies will be there pretty soon. The devil's talking to them. Your daddy's buried, your brother's buried, your wife's going to be buried tomorrow. You hear your other little baby dying, he's a good God, he's a healer. Well, you've just made a sap out of yourself. Now, what did it do? It was working from the outside to this first man. Now, understand this. Because the devil can still work on your outside even though you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he can come and get in your memory and your imagination and your affection and your reasoning and you be tempted sorely. Oh, Brother Tim, I thought when we got the Holy Ghost, we'd no longer be tempted. No, we just have a power to keep from yielding to temptation. Jesus would get filled with the Spirit. And then he would fast for 40 days. The Bible said he was led of the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. You see, when God gives you the Holy Ghost and he places it down your soul, he's not afraid of his salvation. Is that right? He's got confidence in what he put in your life. So Jesus goes and he is tempted by the devil. Now, friends, I don't know. It doesn't say who it was other than the devil. So we can pretty sure assume it was Lucifer himself. Now, to you and me might get assigned another spirit, a lesser demon. But Jesus met 
Satan himself. And he was hungry after 40 days. And he's in his weakest condition. And if he's going to fall, it looks like he will do it now when his flesh is so weak. Don't you realize your flesh, even though your spirit filled, is going to still get weak? And Jesus was hungry. And when you get a man hungry, you get a nation hungry. They'll, they'll riot. They'll tear down governments. They'll, they'll rob. They'll kill. They'll destroy anything for self-preservation. And Jesus now, after not eating 40 days, is hungry. Hungry. And he is tempted to use his power for the devil. The power if you be the son of God. Now, first of all, when you are born again, don't think for a minute the devil isn't going to come along and question what happened to you. That's his job. He's going to come knock on your door and say, if you really were a son of God, you'd never have them thoughts. Huh? And he's the one who put them in there. Your thoughts many times are triggered. They're triggered by things at your sight because it comes in the eye gate. And the eye gate or the ear gate or the gate of your feelings or the gates of your memory or affections or reasoning. It can always come, and it'll come in the gates of your reasoning. That's exactly why you young people don't want to go to college until you get the Holy Ghost. Because the devil has stacked the deck. He's got every kind of demon right there to teach, to, to teach our young people and pollute their mind. As it was in the days of Moses where he got after killing the children. Amen. Even so, the enemy in this last day is going to try to kill every one of our children. And we've got to get them into the ark of safety. And put them over in the hands of God. Because the devil will come right along to your reasoning. That's what he wants to do. And he comes to Jesus. If you're the son of God, prove it. We don't owe the devil an answer. And we don't have to prove to him anything. In fact, the matter is when you go to trying to prove it, it's because you are no longer believing it. So he says, if you be the son of God, make these stones into bread. Use your power. You know, come on. I mean, Moses brought down bread from heaven. You, you take and make these stones into bread. Show us your great power. Oh, if God's really a healer, well, go heal that blind person. Go heal that deaf person. They will be healed the moment we can get them to believe. Amen. But look at this for a moment. If you are the son of God, make these stones in the bread. But you see, Jesus didn't owe the devil an answer. And he just simply stayed with the father's word. He said, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Life will not come to me by bread I make, 
but by obeying the word. And if you really realize that, that's when you're really living, young people. When you are obeying the word, that's where life really comes. You want a happy marriage? Obey the word. You want a successful life? Obey the word. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Here's where life comes. Life is shown. The real evidence of the indwelling spirit of God is when you live by the word. Well, then he takes him to a high mountain. Up to the pinnacle and shows him the kingdoms of the world. And said, I'll give it you all. You see, that's what the devil wants to do. He wanted to give Jesus the kingdom without Calvary. And he wants to give you the world without you going to Calvary. So he'll offer you success. He'll offer you all kinds of things in life. He'll give you the world if you'll just bow down and worship him. I'll give it all to I'll make you a successful businessman. You'll be the greatest teacher in the world. You'll be this. You'll be that. I, I'll, I'll make this. Listen, you ought to see the end results. Consider the end of man, not how he is right now. Consider the, the, the beautiful girl sitting there with black velvet and there laying out on the couch and drinking and whatever. All oh, it's beauty and party and all of this. And see her a drunken sot and a broken home and a corrupted motherhood. Go and look at him. Oh, the tough man, the Marlboro man. Oh, he's on his horse and his cowboy hat and he's tough. Look at him gasping his last breath, cursing the very thing that he built up. Because sin pays its wages. He'll offer you the world. But Jesus said, it is written. Notice where it went. The Holy Ghost goes back to the word. You want the evidence of the Holy Ghost? John 14, 26, let me show it to you. John 14, 26, here's the evidence of the Holy Spirit according to Jesus. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. So he is going to be the inside teacher. No one is going to have to tell you, know the Lord. The pastor's not going to have to dial you up and say, why have you been out of church? Because Jesus, as it was his custom, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Christians go to church because Jesus takes them there. And if you don't have Jesus in you, you'll never go to church for the right reason. You're going to be shown to get appreciation, to get a star on the calendar. Uh, you know, to, to, get a, uh, to, to have somebody say something nice about you at your funeral. But when Jesus comes, he will teach you all things. In other words, he will, as the scripture also said, the Holy Ghost will convince you of sin. 
He'll be the inside governor of your life. The one that rules your body. Well, Brother Tim, I was born with a high passion and our family, you know, there was divorces and, 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 and adulteries and this and that and the other. Keep that scripture up. And, uh, and so, you know, we have all of these things. We have this problem in our family. But when you get born again, it cancels out the call and it gives a power over that. You got a whole new father. You recognize this earthly man was never your true father. You came from God and you're going back to God. So when you look at it right here, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Father will send in my name. He will do what? Teach you all things. He's going to make the word real to you. There will be revelation come from here. Understanding come from here. Wisdom come from here. Guidance come from here. Amen. You'll just not talk the Bible, you'll walk the Bible. Amen. The Father will send my name. He will teach all things. And what? Bring to your remembrance. So Jesus in this moment of temptation, what came? The Holy Spirit brought Scripture to his memory. And he brought his body under subjection. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. Amen. Then the devil tries to use scripture on him. And he takes him on the pinnacle of the temple. And here in this hour of temptation, here he's on the pinnacle of the temple looking down and, and wondering. The devil's putting thoughts in If you'll cast yourself down, they'll recognize you're the Messiah. Just perform a miracle like that. Just show, you know, just appear suddenly at the temple. You know, for the angels will bear thee up, lest I cast thy foot against the stone. And Jesus comes back with the word of God and says it is written. You see, that's the way you, as a Holy Ghost-filled Christian, you defeat the devil is, it is written. He'll come to you and say, healing isn't for you. You tell him it's written. I am the Lord thy God that healeth all thy diseases. Amen. He comes and says, but your symptoms have been a long time and it's not for you. You tell him it is written. By his stripes, I am healed. You see, any divine promise of God, you obtain it by saying, it is written. Because the Holy Ghost brings to your remembrance whatever I have said to you. That's what you're looking for. An inside teacher. Is the pastor looking? Mama? Oh, I, I can do this. Uh, you know, sh- sh- don't tell my church people. They don't, they don't believe in this. A lot of people live under that. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is an inside teacher. Notice, this was working for them from the outside, or from the, from the outside to this first man. He's hearing all of this, the enemy, the devil is saying, you've been a preacher. You called, you called God a healer. 
Here in your need, he don't care for you. You, you know, you look what you've done. You lived a clean life. Any girl that was in the city that wanted to go out with you, they, because they felt clean and decent because you were a boy of character. I could stand before any of them and say, I never insulted one of them, never said anything uh, ugly to them. She even act smart, I'd take her home. You were liked among the people, but where are you now? A religious fanatic. That's right. I was. I was. See, these things begin to move together. The outside reasoning in the spirit, moving these things together. That's right, Satan. And did you say it was a healer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. And you begging and crying and the people telling you it wasn't so and that you're off the line and your own church turned you out for this and your own Baptist church down there put you out of the door for the same cause? Yeah. Your daddy buried and your brother buried and your wife laying there buried uh, to be buried. Your baby about 15 minutes longer be gone and he's a healer. And your own flesh and blood, just one word from him would save the baby's life. He's a healer. You said. And the people tried to tell you. The preacher tried to say, you're all messed up. You're insane. You're a religious fanatic. And you said he loved you. How could he love you? Look where you cried for your daddy. Night after night, you fasted. Get up in the daytime, you'd have to pray to get up a pole to work. He was a, he was a lineman and was working, trying to get, keep the electricity on, changing out the, back then the glass insulators. And he let him die in your arm, a sinner. Your wife, a fine person, you loved her. What a fine girl you was. How happy you were together. Your little home, six or seven, eight dollars worth of furniture. What furniture you had. But you loved her. You loved one another. You went and prayed for others. Oh, yeah. You saw healing, some little mental emotion. They got up and walked away, and they said they were all right. But now your wife. And there she is dead. Second day now at the undertaker. And your little boy, Billy Paul's at the point of death, 18 months old. The devil's talking. Your little girl at eight months old laying there dying with meningitis. And you just prayed and you saw a vision of a black sheep pulled down between you and God. And he wouldn't answer your prayer. He turned his back on you. He wouldn't hear you. It was like saying, shut up. You know, there are sometimes God says no. But the thing about a real believer, we become just as happy with his no's as we are his yeses. If you have not experienced loss in this life, you will sooner or later. And there will be a time that God says no. Where he answered time and time and time again or answered for others under a similar situation. But in yours, he said no. He said no to me nearly a year ago when my wife passed on the other side. He said no. And you wonder, where did I fail you? How come my faith wasn't there? What was wrong with my prayers? How come God doesn't answer me? You see, these are the things the devil comes at you with. 
surely you did something wrong to bring all of this to you. And I'll just say this. We've all done things wrong. But the grace of God is what overcomes our wrongs when we repent and we make them right. And God, as it was, pulled his sheet down and said, shut up. I don't want to hear you. He turned his back on you. And he, and he, he said, he's a good God. And he, uh, he says he loves you. And every girl you went with, every boy you ever associated with, your best friend has walked away from you, a religious fanatic. And listen to this. Everything he was telling me was the truth. Everything he could say fell right in line. He just lined them up. You see, we can, sometimes things can just line up, just stack up right on us. And it looks like that's just the way it is. And I looked there, and I was about to ready to say, then, if that's the way God does toward a son of his, if that's the way he acts, then I won't serve him. And just as he thought that, there was something else from way down deep Something else on the way down on the inside that said, who are you to begin with? The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. You see, that inside of man doesn't reason at all. When the Holy Spirit is in there, it doesn't reason. This outside man reasons, but that inside man said, no, the word of God is true. I don't care how you stack things up, all the arguments you put against it, your reasoning you laid in front of me, none of it counts because I know that my Redeemer lives. I know who's on the inside of me. I know I'm a child of God. You see, there was something down on the inside. That's what you got to have, a tie post. Because there's going to time when you don't feel it. And it don't even look reasonable. Why would God let this happen to me? I've served him since I was a child. I've done this. Well, it's because this is not the millennium. This is not a perfect world. God made it that way. Man messed it up. But Jesus came to fix it. Aren't you glad for redemption? He said, I thought, I thought, and I looked back and he said, how did I get on earth? I came from a bunch of drunkards. How did I get here? Who gave me life? Who gave me that wife? Who gave me that baby? Where did my wife come from? Where did my life come from? And I said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. And then he said the same thing that Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. And that's what you got to do. There reaches a point in temptation. You tell the devil to get lost. I'm not listening to another voice of yours. I'm not accepting one thing that you say against my God and my faith and what God has done in my life. No more, devil. Today is in. I'm not listening to your voice again on this. Amen. Don't God slay me yet, I'll trust him. And he said, I laid my hands on the baby and said, Sharon, honey, I'll lay you on your mother's arms in a few minutes when the angels of God come to take you away. But one day, daddy, will see you again. I don't know how it's going to be, honey. I can't tell you how. When he turns his back on me and won't even hear for me, for you, 
with my sincerest prayer. Let my wife die. Let my her, me holding her by the hands and crying for her. my daddy in his arms died on, on this arm right here and looked at me trying to get his breath. And I prayed just as hard to get. How could I face the public again to preach divine healing? You wonder that sometimes. How am I going to preach healing when somebody died? So while you had a prayer line, Brother Tim, and a lot of people got the COVID. I did what the word said. That's what's important. I laid hands on the sick and they shall recover. If the devil counterattacked it, so be it. My God's greater, my God's bigger, my God's stronger. It doesn't matter. We do what the word said, no matter whether the outcome or the, or the counterattack of the devil. How could I face the public again? He said, to preach divine healing. You know, great men like F.F. Bosworth preaches divine healing after losing a wife and a child. And yet becomes one of the greatest preachers on divine healings, instructors in the word of God. Till Brother Branham would call him an oak tree. That you could go sit down on his shade and listen and learn from. And T.L. Osborne did. How could I preach that God was a good God and let my daddy die a sinner? How could I preach that? I don't know how, but I know God's right. The word of God shall never fail. And and so then I knew there was something inside all reasoning, something inside of all emotions, everything else. There was some inside man that held in that hour. Nothing else could have done it. Every reasoning, everything that could be shown, everything could prove that it was wrong. And I was in the wrong, but the word of God. Notice, here he stood. It looked like every reason was against him. Everything the devil showed him was against him. Everything could prove he was wrong and that, he, and that God was wrong. But the word of God predestinated before the foundation held on the inside. That's what you got to have, the tie post of the soul. Where God has come down and taken out sin desire out of your life. And sin nature is gone. And you're birthed a son of God. And then it doesn't matter how you feel on the outside. It doesn't matter if the church gets cold and, and, and dreary and, and they're not in revival. You know in whom you have believed. It doesn't matter what others say. And modern opinion changes against the Bible and the word of God. You stay with what the Bible said. Amen. Whatever it says, you believe it. Why? Because there's a typos on the inside of that soul. The word of God that was predestinated before the foundation of the world held on the inside. And there as he stood there, he said, I felt a little wind come and sweep through the building. And his little girl went out to meet God. She says, brother, sister, let me tell you, that's the only thing. Don't try to reason it out. Don't try to have long hair because I said so. Don't try to do these things just because in your flesh. Don't try to do something just to cope up, but wait before the Lord till something way down on the inside changes. Where you can say, I know in whom I have believed. 
and he circumcises the heart, removing sin desire. Oh, you're not going to heaven because you, you women have long hair. That don't mean you're going to heaven. Because you're a good moral person don't mean you're going to heaven. Because you carried the neighbor's sweet potatoes don't mean you're going to heaven. Because you gave alms to the poor or you supported the church don't give you a place in heaven. There's only one thing that gives you a place in heaven and that is a new birth that changes the inside of you and and makes you a new creature in Christ. You see, many people think I have the Holy Ghost because I spoke in tongues. But that don't mean that. Others you know, well, even though that the Holy Spirit does speak with tongues, don't, don't miss, miss that. I mean, it's in the Scripture. Sometimes we go on one side and listen, the whole deal is to stay balanced. Because sometimes we say, well, you know, they prophesy in his name. Well, we don't need prophecy. And they cast out devils in it. Well, you know, even the false does that. Listen, the true does that. The rain wasn't given for the false, it was given for the true. Amen. So in the church, there must be signs and wonders, healing, deliverance, salvation. Every bit of the gifts of the Spirit. To deny that is to deny the Word, which is proof the Holy Ghost isn't there. So the Holy Spirit in you that makes you speak with tongues looks back and don't agree with the rest of the word, it's the wrong spirit. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, I can be a Christian. I can be a real man of God and have hair down to my waist. No, you can't. The Holy Spirit makes it really clear in the Bible. A man is to have cut hair. That's right. The Bible, again, says a woman, her hair is to be uncut. We don't do that to be a Christian. We become a Christian, and what's it do? Then the Holy Spirit in us makes us agree with the Word. We quit cross-dressing. Men quit looking, trying to look effeminate like women. Amen. Women quit trying to be like a man. Amen. We look different. We dress different. Why? Not because of rules and regulations, but because of a nature change that says the word of God is right, not what's going around me and personal opinion and Hollywood and what I'm seeing on television or in the news, but what God's word said. The word has preeminence. Why? Because I've been circumcised. The old desires are gone. And I believe what the word of God said, precept upon precept, line upon line, whatever he says in his word, that's what I do. It isn't that the word of God is of no effect anymore. It is that the word of God becomes effectual because of the Holy Ghost. So you see, again, you see, you can be anointed outside in your spirit and your desire and do all these things. But when it comes to the time post, to that word, it'll, you'll never move from there. It'll hold right steady and true to that word. Outside of that, regardless of what you do, you're lost. You can preach. You can shout. You can love with your body. Even love God and still not be right. 
You can love him for the purpose of saving me from hell. You can love him for wrong reasons. You can even love the church. You can even love church. Love going to church. That doesn't save you. Coming to church doesn't save you any more than, than walking to a barn makes you a horse. When you come into the house of God, it doesn't change you. You've got to have the change from the inside out. You, but make no mistake, a person that is truly baptized in the, of the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ receiving the fullness of the Spirit will be in the Word all the way. And that's the evidence of being baptized by the Holy Ghost. You want to see your life circumcised, changed. Let's stand together. I want to bow your heads just for a moment. And you just say, God, I want to be a real son. I want to be changed in your presence. I want that gene of God to send me. You see, God foreknew you. He foreknew your coming. He knew you would be here. He knew you'd be in the service this morning. He knew exactly what you would need to hear. And you just say, Lord, any desire in my life that ain't like you, circumcise it today. Search me, O oh God, know my heart, I pray. Try me, O oh Savior. Know my thoughts. Bring everything and subject it to the Holy Spirit of God. I want to be where my life matches the word. Not anything else. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and I don't have even your basic nature. I'm, I'm just a bunch of noise, Lord. Though I jump and shout, heathens do the same. Muhammad's. Other religions, those in the days of Elijah with Baal, they did it too. Jumped, shouted, screamed, but no fire fell. I want you just to look at your life this morning and say, Lord, is it a life worthy of the gospel? Is it a life that follows Jesus every day? Because if it doesn't follow Jesus every day, it's just a denominational life. The world's full of that today. Why do you think our churches are bereft of their young people? It isn't because we're not playing rock and roll. It isn't because we're not entertaining them. Doing something to attract them like that is that the gospel has lost its attraction. It's not priest in power anymore. Where lives are changed. Why don't you say, Lord, right here in your presence today, I need a real change. A change that's way beyond how I feel. The feelings and the good feelings I've had. and Oh, I felt your spirit come, but, I, but my life still isn't worthy of the gospel. I want my life changed, Lord, in your presence. Maybe just raise a hand toward God and say, that's me, Brother Tim. That's me. I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I want more of you. That's what I've got to do. I can't go any further, Lord, without you.
I realize I can't live a Christian life without you. I come to the point, Lord, that I've got to have things right with my soul and my Savior. Nothing between. That I make a full surrender. Could you just say today, Lord, circumcise my heart. Oh, I quit doing this. I quit doing that. That won't get you a place in heaven. Circumcise the heart, Lord. Change me, oh God. Change my heart, oh God. Make me ever new. Change me, Lord. Don't let me remain the same that I've been. Don't just let me be a denominational Christian going on about life as though as though everything's all right when I know I've got this, this sin nature still rising up in me and controlling me, making my flesh do things I shouldn't do. Sure, the eye gate will pick up sin. Here will come there a half-dressed woman. The Bible said you lust after her. You, you have adultery in your heart. You can't help the thought to come in your mind because the eye gate, here it comes. But the son of, son of God would immediately say, that's the wrong thing. Turn your head. Turn away from that. Don't even dwell on it a moment. How can Christian life be a life lived in pornography and lusting after this and that and the other and that become your God and what you worship? No wonder there's every kind of marriage and given in marriage and every kind of evil in the land. Once you come where there's a real, a real Calvary, a real place, the devil will offer you everything. He'll offer you the world. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you'll bless your people today in your presence. You saw every hand that was touched, every soul, Lord, that has been spoke to. And I pray, Lord, the reality of the Holy Ghost will strike on the other side. And they'll realize today in your presence, they'll come to know, God, I'm not of this world. You're my Father. And receive the spirit of adoption, the Holy Ghost, where they recognize you're our Father. I pray today, today would be a great Father's Day for you, Lord, that many sons would come to know you in the power of the resurrection. I pray that those across the land that have listened in all the way overseas and different faraway places, Lord, there in South Africa, there's several places that are listening now and, and, and other places and, and around the world that are joining in will hear this. I pray you'll stir their hearts today in your presence. Let them be changed. Make this a real Father's Day. Make fathers real fathers. Make ladies real ladies. Make young people real young people. Change their hearts, O God. Make them ever new, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. 
Uh-huh. 